0: Welcome to
1: voice you just have been listening to while you filtered into this room the
0: sonic identity and the sonic brand and experience of voice summit and i want to point out audrey arbini from audio brain and her team who
2: came up with that give it up for audrey arbini and our audio brain
3: thank you that sound That sound is going to be the identity of this conference from here into the future. It will evolve. It will change. But when you hear that, you'll know where you are, and you'll know why you're here. If you notice that song, ooh, ooh. Ooh is the very first sound we made as human beings. And I think there's just something about that. This is a voice conference. This is about all our voices.
2: Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is one of your co-hosts, Kerry Roberts. Today, I want to share with you David Bitsky's talk, the keynote that he gave on day one at the Voice Summit this year. And also, we had a few people send us a voice memo about how they felt about the event and that's always super exciting when we get to hear attendees and speakers and people that were there really tell us what they loved about the event so i hope you enjoy
4: hey everyone it's scott and susan westwater
0: and we're the co-founders of pragmatic digital
4: we wanted to share a couple of thoughts on voice summit 2019 and for me personally. I really appreciated meeting everyone. So a lot of the folks that we've talked to on Twitter, LinkedIn, had Zoom calls with, for the first time, we actually had a chance to meet everyone in person. And those interactions have led to other great conversations, have already started to uh, generate some collaborations. And so for that, I'm internally grateful.
0: Yes. And I enjoyed meeting everyone. And I want to give a shout out to uh, the Voice Summit team um, for helping make all of those things possible of those get-togethers be it informal meetings that were held in hotel lobbies because of the hoova app um, and all of the ways that we could come together as a community or the more formalized events like the receptions the awards dinner um, and any the exhibit hall all those places where we were able to connect and meet folks and have really great conversations Um, and i appreciate that everyone had an open mind coming together from all walks of life um, so that we could talk about voice for a whole week and just share all of the great knowledge that we've been able to accumulate.
4: So much looking forward to future conversations and keeping all of this momentum going as we go into the end of 2019 and beyond. Hi, my name is Jeroen Funk. I'm an innovation designer at Novum Innovation Lab. We work from inside of the Dutch government at the social security bank. My biggest takeaway of the Voice Summit 2019, besides sharing my story of Project Silver, where we explore how voice technology can help the older adults in their daily life, and also the interaction that I had with a lot of people of the voice family, my biggest takeaway of the summit was that we aren't yet at the end of the first generation of voice, and we really need to push it more and focus more on the digital, inclusive, and accessibility side while designing the voice interactions and apps.
3: Good morning. Everybody, stay dry. <laughs> um, gosh, it is so incredible to be here with all of you. Um, I mean, Pete, you all know, uh, Pete's an incredible person. I've known him for a while. I hid from him the fact that I went to NJIT. By the way, it was just serendipity um, that when he approached me last year, was like, "Hey, I'm going to host this in Newark," and I was like, "Oh, I went to school there." He's like, "You went to school there? Where did you go?" And I was like, "NJIT," and um, you know, I just I, I reminisce back to those times. I grew up, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a family we didn't have a lot. I was the first person to go to college, and NJIT. I could go to college because I got a scholarship. And I remember I was just talking to one of my old professors. This is like 92. I remember walking these halls and being so excited because I would see things like computer vision, machine learning, right? Sound familiar? But we were limited by these computers. It was basically floppy disk, right? I, th- I, had, I think we were giving out to students 386s back then, right? On the five and a quarter inch floppies and to see that and to see how things have moved along I know some of the other speakers here I know both uh, Noel and Adam um, who've been involved in this space and just I'm gonna bring some people up here just thank you for sharing this stage with me I'm just so excited to be part of this community and how things have moved now if you how many people were here last year okay so last year I talked about something near and dear to me and it it gets to the inclusiveness of voice. There's just so many affordances that speech give us, right? It's the first time, I don't know about you all, it's the first time in my life that my kids are just as excited and up to speed on the tech as my parents, right? Uh, I mean, my dad, I can actually talk to him about Alexa and Echo, and there's no barrier there. And so when I was invited to come back, Um, First of all, I said no. I was like, there's plenty of smarter people that can get on this stage. Um, But when it it came to the point that I was going to be here, I said, why don't I build on what we had last year about that inclusiveness? And how do we get to the next phase? And so in order to do that, I think the first thing we need to do is recognize where we've been. So how many people here got an Echo device in 2014? Wow, nice. How many people 2015? 2016? How many people just got an echo within the past six months? Okay. awesome. So it's crazy to think, but five years ago, if we were interacting with technology in our house, we were walking around and looking at our phones, right? I was thinking about this the other day, and now all of us have been introduced to the idea of ambient computing. Just the ability to talk naturally and have conversation. And that's one of the things is Amazon, I mean, there are so many smart computer scientists at Amazon who have been working on this problem for decades. But to put it in a product where we had far-field speech recognition, and NLU, natural language understanding. I talked a little bit about NLU and ASR last year. And then the ability to have lifelike speech. Alexa didn't sound like a robot. She sounded like a person. And in fact, some of the first reviews were people saying, I love you, Alexa, right? What do you do in response to that? And it's that connection as a human being that conversation gives. And for me, as someone, you know, I had worked in this area um, of technology my whole life. I had worked in mobile, I had worked in web, but I hadn't worked in speech. I was a devices person, but it was a new learning journey for me. And here happens to be the first slide ever that I did with Echo back in 2014. And even then, we knew it was a journey. We said, Alexa is always getting smarter. And we knew what we had to do was open up with an API to see what all of you could build. And so, as time moved on, we created new APIs, new funds. I started to have weekly office hours that I met all of you. Some of you are here today in the audience. And relationships formed. Communities started to build. And I've been incredibly honored to be part of this, just to see some of the folks. If you haven't checked these things out, you know we have VoiceBot with Brett, and we have Voice XP, and we have EarPlay, and Vox and Project Voice, and the list just goes on of all of these community members that you don't have to go and listen to me and Amazon, is that you can go out here and you can listen to podcasts and people who have been in this space, love this space, and continue to drive innovation. And we're having now, this is a partner page that you'll see on Alexa, we're seeing lots and lots of agencies now who are creating voice first experiences. Again, this wasn't happening five years ago. Some of this wasn't happening even three years ago. So thank you. Thank you for being part of this community and letting me be part of this community. So what's new with Alexa? You know, we started out, we had 10 skills. I remember being around (laughs) a table looking at some of these skills. And we're now over 90,000, which has been created by you. How many people here have created an Alexa skill? Wow. How many people here have a developer background? (laughs) See, that's super cool to me. That was maybe 20%. And it's the affordances that building speech uh, will give you when you're creating these experiences. It's not actually how good you can code. It's how good you can converse. And so we're over 90,000 skills. We're in 80 plus countries, 14 language variants. Alexa is in lots of different devices. that those Bose headphones you probably see is my Twitter profile. I happen to love those. Um, There's hundreds of third party devices. But there's also over 60,000 smart home devices. How many people here have a light bulb or a thermostat or a plug or something that's controlled by Alexa today? How many people here got the Echo Auto on pre-order? Because I keep every time I tweet about Echo Auto, I get the, come on, Dave, I'm still waiting, because we had over a million uh, pre-orders. But it's super interesting to be able to have Alexa anywhere that you want. So whether you're sitting in the hotel room or you're using your phone or you're at home or you're in the car, you're going to see this across both Echo devices as well as Alexa devices from third parties.
0: Alexa has already helped to simplify your life at home and make you more productive. And now, you can take her with you on the road with Alexa Auto. Before you ever walk out the door, use Alexa Connected Car Skills to get your vehicle ready to drive. Once inside, you can enjoy the same Alexa experience you know and love. And lots more. Designed for the vehicle, Alexa can... Control your smart home devices in case you forgot to. Help you stay in touch with friends and family. of your commute when the unexpected happens. She has you covered while at work and is waiting for you on your commute home. She can jot down a note when something crosses your mind and add items to your grocery cart. Alexa can even drop in on your family to let them know you're on your way home so you can keep your hands on the wheel and eyes on the road. Alexa lives in the cloud, so she's always getting smarter. Learn more at Amazon.com forward slash Alexa dash auto.
3: It's such a delight to hear from customers, whether in person, like a conference like this, reading the reviews or getting an email of how Alexa has been become part of that everyday routine. And when I work with brands and publishers, I'm starting to see a very interesting thing, too, is as you look through this, you know, we just heard this morning of listening to a flash briefing and weather in the morning, right? Listening to music at lunch or doing homework in the evening, maybe playing even a game in the car on your way to work, is there's opportunity here to meet people in the moment where they are. In fact, uh, I was talking to an internal comms team at a big company who now has a flash briefing. How many people here work at a large company and actually read the email from your CEO? Right? (laughs) Oh, wow, is your CEO here? Because you raised your hand. Um, The click rates on those is very low. But imagine a flash briefing that's real and in the moment that actually addresses issues going on today that's part of your flash briefing when you get to work. Right? And you can engage where you're comfortable in this routine. And we're seeing more and more of that every day. Here's just a couple scenarios that I use in my own life. This happens to be my phone. I just took this last night. But you can see the mobile integration as well as voice integration. So I can check on my devices at home. There's Alexa Home Guard that will allow you to have um, a security type of system while you're away. Here happens to be, um, for those that know about my my fitness journey, I was actually, you can go look for it. I was 50 pounds heavier five years ago. Um, And one of the apps that I use is My Fitness Pal to track calories. This actually popped up the other day. I was going and logging calories, and it was, hey, did you know we actually have an Alexa skill? And you can go ahead and you can enable that. So I'm seeing this more and more from brands, is that where you engage, so whether I'm using uh, your services on the web or on my mobile device, or through Alexa. I have the ability to integrate all of these uh, services. And then for those of you on Windows, uh, Microsoft just updated this, actually. It's now um, hands-free. So I have on my Windows 10 uh, gaming laptop that I have at home, I can actually just say Alexa. And no matter where I am, inside Windows is actually Alexa. And it's all of my skills, all of my personalization, everything that I need right there. And so we're seeing more and more of that across experiences. We've created this system that I talked about last year called Blueprints that you can go to at blueprints.amazon.com that allow anybody, you don't need any type of technical background to go ahead and teach Alexa things. To create routines of how do you take care of my parents, how do you take care of my kids, what is it like um, for, for having a chore chart that I need to have for my kids for them to get things done. And what we've done over this past year is we've really looked at how do we make things easier across different types of devices, across different types of screens, and more engaging. And so one of the areas that we've looked at is something called the Alexa presentation language. And we just had an update to this, APL 1.1. And this is a little bit different than in mobile. right? In mobile, think about this for a second. Regardless of the screen size, you always know the dimensions. But in a voice first world, so it's voice first, not voice only, you could have a screen of anything. The walls in here could be screens. The lights could be screens. I could have a tie tack, not that I wear ties anymore, um, that could have a screen on it. And so what does that mean? And how do we make that easier for people to create content? And more importantly, how do we do it in such a way that if you have a device without a screen, that there's intelligence there to understand that there, I can go ahead and I can just verbalize without you having to worry about it? Another area that we've seen and we've heard from customers is, I'll give you an example, um, the all recipes skill. I'm in the kitchen. I want to go ahead and cook something. I like the recipe but you know I like to print things out I don't know I'm just old school that way how do I get to my printer so this is another thing that we've actually launched called Alexa skill connections so in all recipes I can go ahead and have that print out on my HP printer and in fact it works with Canon and Epson Um, you'll see all sorts of different skills And in fact all of you can do this it's simply a provider API, and then you have a requester API. And you have the ability to talk back and forth. And then another area we heard was I want to go ahead and create a game, but I don't want to record every skill, every sound for every skill, right? I want to make Alexa more engaging. I want to make her fun. And so we've just increased our sound bank now is over 2,500 different sounds. And it's funny, when I tweeted this out, one of the first things I heard back was, How- How do I use the bear sound, right? There's like bears in there, there's cats, there's dogs, there's all sorts of different things. And it's important to point this out because Alexa is a personality in and of herself but that does not need to be your conversation with your customer. In fact, it can be a man, it can be a woman, it can be young, it can be old, it can be any type of language. We have all of these voices enabled now inside of Alexa. And the innovation has continued across the year. What you're seeing on the left, in the light blue, is releases that we've had for developers just since the beginning of the year. And we've launched across different locales. And in fact, we've done different languages within locales. So for example, in the US, you'll see up there, there's now a US Spanish locale that you have the ability to have both English and Spanish now inside your conversations. So what do conversations look like today in 2019? Well, the first thing I tell folks is it's about speed. If you're going to create a conversation with your customer and you already have good engagement on your mobile device, don't just create an Alexa skill because you can. You want to create something that's going to be faster to do. And what we're seeing commonly is different scenarios. So the first scenario that's not good for voice is browsing, a general type of query. So if I'm on a mobile device, and maybe I want to go ahead and I want to just search for what type of shoes are on sale, I can ask for that. But then the follow-up question in that dialogue is, send me the top three. Right? And I get an email, or I get a text, or I get images of what those look like. Or in fact, I can send that to an Alexa device. You have the ability to switch between all of these different modalities. But you're basing it on what is the fastest and how can you get to that information. We're also seeing searching. So when you know what you want, maybe it's ordering a specific pair of running shoes or maybe it's ordering tickets. The ability to get to that information very, very quickly is fast with voice. And then what we're seeing is transactional entity types. Right? And an entity can be something. It can be a function. It could be turn the volume up or mute, things like that. Or it can be getting to a specific piece of information like weather. Will it rain today? What song, and I'm sorry, this is all going to be in your head, but my kids have been playing Old Town Road this weekend before I left. (laughs) Um, It's getting to a specific piece of information or music, right? How many people here use music on Alexa and ask for like playlists from the 90s or the 2000s or 10 years ago, right? Yeah, very common, and I do that in my car now as well. It's getting to a specific, specific piece of information. And then tasks, completing tasks. Smart homes, very, very popular with Alexa. The ability, this is something that I do. I, can, um, I actually have routines in my office, so I engage think mode. And then I have the ability to go ahead and turn off lights and set them to a different color. But how do we get to that next level? All of this is fine, but it's nothing I couldn't have done on mobile or web. It's just faster. But if I've been having a conversation, like some of you, you've been having a conversation with Alexa for five years. What can I do for Alexa to better understand me? And part of that is thinking about different areas. So the first is context, context across turns. Now, in the past, as a creator of a skill ask uh, API so that we're keeping some state but it needs to go further it needs to understand the person and the preferences and things that happened over time and it's multimodal so whether it's happening on a mobile device or in my car or on my TV or on my computer even it needs to understand that so in a machine learning context when you go ahead and you label different types of entities, if I know that I'm on a device that doesn't have any type of screen, and I say the word play video, right? video in that instance, you know that um, when you hear the word play on a device without a screen, it's probably going to be music. So even though I said video, I probably meant video not in the terms of an actual video stream but something else. So it's understanding that device context and it's also understanding what I own as far as content. As we start to see different mobile web and Alexa voice driven skills, if I've bought something from your service through the mobile app, that should become part of the machine learning. right? It needs to be part of understanding that I own that and what to display. And then, of course, personal context. What Dave chooses to listen to as music is going to be different than everybody else. And gender and age, too. You know, my father, who's older, um, I was taking him to the doctor's office, and uh, the doctor came in, and he turned to me and said, that doctor looks kind of young, right? And I, I was like, Dad, he's, he's older than me, right? <laughs> but that's personal preference. And so when you create these type of interactions and these conversations. It doesn't have to be Alexa talking. You know, Jeopardy! is Alex Trebek. And I've actually worked with brands that are creating skills now, and I love seeing this. Is that when you start, it reminds me, I don't know if anybody ever played the, uh, the old Ultima series games. When you played those, you had questions based on your personality. And from that, you created an avatar. So the conversation begins by having The personal preferences of that human being, do I want to be talking to a man, a woman, someone younger, someone older? We've never been able to do that in technology. right? One interface for everyone. Maybe you could customize how the buttons looked and where things moved and how the tabs looked. But now I can choose who I have a conversation with we've also had innovation, you know, talking back to the computers of, of old, we've had innovation in the ability to synthesize voice. So typically the way that this works, from a computer science perspective, is that when you record speech, you're doing it in a very neutral tone, right? And I have a tendency to get like all excited and loud, um, and other people may be quieter. It's, not, it's the same type of utterance, right? It's not any type of speed or anything like that. The cadence is the same. And then you have a lot of these. So you go ahead and you tag all of this. And that's pretty much been speech for a while. But now, and this is like within the past three years, by the way. It's like 2016, where we've seen this breakthrough inside using a neural net. And so it's the ability to actually generate speech. And you're starting to see this with Alexa. In fact, you see this across the entire industry. It's not just Amazon. But generated voices are now sounding more human-like than ever before. And through deep learning, active learning, and transfer learning, we've been able to go ahead and improve uh, the accuracy of Alexa understanding by 20%. And so how do we get to that next level? Well, last year I talked and I showed you something like this. Right? This is how Alexa and this is how other voice assistants are going to break out speech, and they're going to look for intents, and you're going to go ahead and train them through utterances. And so we're in this world of single turn, simple instructions, right? Get me the weather, turn off the lights. And all of you have created some amazing experiences where some of these games have thousands of utterances. And so we're in this multi-turn complex conversation. But what we really want to get to is back to the human being, which is multi-session, which is ambiguous, right? Even as human beings from one to another, we don't always understand what we're trying to tell each other. And so machines need to be able to reason. And this is where deep learning comes into play. And so what can Amazon do to better enable this? So the first, if I said, Alexa, play Old Town Road on a device, we have what's called an entity action knowledge graph. And what this is doing is it's understanding my personal preferences. So if I ask to play that, and it knows I have Amazon Music, it's going to go ahead and play that. But I also have other providers. And so those providers are registered. So you don't even have to worry about this, is that if I have something like Spotify or Apple Music, it's just going to go ahead and play. Now how can we take that and we can move across all sorts of experiences and interactions? How can we anticipate customers' latent goals? And so one of the areas that we looked at are different scenarios. So the first scenario might be we're all going to go out to eat later. And in that scenario, Typically what we would have today, with any type of cross-skill interaction, is that we know we want to get tickets. So it's get tickets, and then we go to a movie ticket skill. So book me a movie ticket. But what if we could be proactive about this? What if Alexa could understand scenarios? Scenarios that are driven by all of you. This is just one example I'm using of a night out. And Alexa could go ahead and understand, through all of these different 90,000 plus skills, how I book a restaurant, and how I get a car, and how I book a movie. In fact, we're looking at recurrent neural networks, and we're seeing an, an, uh, an improvement here that you can see three times less code, and ten times, annotated, 10 times less annotated data points. So what's happening here is in the past to create all of these multi-dialog Truly, what feels like conversational experiences with people required a lot of manual labeling, a lot of manual effort. And you're seeing this happen automatically now. Let me show you how this flows. So I go ahead and I have a conversation. As a developer, I'm creating all of these different inputs. But now I can simulate the dialogues, and I can learn from them. And it continues to have this loop back and across live data. So that now, once my skill is out there, it's learning about you. It's learning about how you're actually using this. Versus all of you, and I know a lot of you had created an Alexa skill. When you go in your dashboard and you actually see what are the accuracy levels of your intents, now you can be doing that through deep learning. We're calling this Alexa conversations. Less effort, less code, less training data. And we feel like this will be a way for you all to code less, to worry about all of that, all of those utterances and intents that you've built, and to actually use deep learning and Alexa to fulfill customer scenarios. Now, one of the other things that we looked at too was, wow, you know, games seem to be a pretty popular category in skills. What can we do to make that easier? And when we talked with partners, One of the biggest things about creating a game is the story. And how do you take creative people who write stories, and then how do you go ahead and interact with the developers so that you're not stymieing that that creative process? That artists are free to create, and developers can bring that all together. So I want to announce here today, for all of you, Skillflow Builder. SkillFlow Builder. Thank you. <laughs> SkillFlow Builder is a new tool. Thank you. For creating interactive stories. My favorite car- uh, category, things like role-playing games, right? How do you create those experiences and how to make that easier? Now, instead of me talking about this and telling you how cool it is, I thought I would go ahead and share the stage with some amazing folks we are already creating experiences with these tools.
0: The sun casts long shadows over the dusty town. Across the dirt road, you see the sign, Welcome to Strangerville. Strange indeed.
1: I think that was the mic. Hey, everybody. Um, Dana and I work on a life simulation game. Uh, It's called The Sims. Uh, we are very excited to share some of our recent experiences working on the Skillflow Builder. So earlier this year, we had the uh, exciting opportunity to be on the Alexa ecosystem with our first skill. With the second one that we are about to announce, it's called The Sims Stories, we want to bring stories that are engaging and interactive in The Sims universe. So a quick backdrop about the about story. Um, you, you, as a player, find yourself in a, town, a small town called Strangerville. StrangerVille holds a deep, dark secret. In StrangerVille, you're navigating through dangerous plants, collecting odd collectibles, and noticing changing weather patterns, quite like the city we are in right now. (laughs)
5: Um,
1: So to make matters worse and mysterious, what you run into is a lot of odd residents in this town. Once you are going through this gameplay, you see a large military presence and a completely unexpected villain. So with this backdrop and with a vision of what we want to create this as a story, which ideally I want you all to play in Alexa Auto, by the way, inside the car, um, we want to discuss what we did with Skillflow Builder. So Skillflow Builder is this amazing tool uh, that we got our hands on very recently and were able to quickly prototype a 30-minute interactive narrator. Uh, the team was very excited because uh, it needed barely any engineering input and we were able to play with the story right within the tool itself. So voice design is a very humbling um, challenge, actually. So we believe, as game developers, we should be able to translate to any platform. We are so wrong. We think we know how to make games, but we put it in front of the customers. They give us tremendous and valuable feedback.
5: That's right.
1: What makes Skill, uh, Skillflow Builder exciting is that you take this input, and you're able to immediately implement this. Dana, who's been an amazing designer on this product, is able to take feedback. And within 15 minutes, you are able to incorporate that feedback into the story that you can play right within the tool, as well as export it to a device itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that was uh, quite interesting to me as a developer was that. Um, Every time as simulation developers we we have to create a feature or a story, our first thought goes towards building tools themselves. We pride ourselves in creating exciting tools on top of which you can write the content. We actually had a long technical plan to build a tool very similar to this. And what's funny is that Alexa beat us to the punch, and as soon as we saw their software, we said there is no point making what (laughs) we were about to make, and let's just use this to do what we want to do for the customers anyways, which is create the story. Uh, and the final thing I do want to say is that uh, I, I cannot stress enough how exciting it is to try different hypotheses. Dina and I would uh, randomly talk about, do we have too many characters? Is this character talking too much? We would immediately take our story, just branch it, try a different hypothesis, try it in the tool, and pick the version that we like the most.
5: Yeah, so those prototypes were super quick to create, which was really awesome. Um, so before we had access to Skillflow Builder, Um, We had basically a mess of design documents. Um, We had this crazy flowchart for how the story was going to work. Uh, We had a separate Excel document with the scripts, and we had the audio files we wanted to play, all the logic. Um, And it was really challenging to figure out how to playtest this without investing a significant amount of engineering time. Um, But then we got our hands on Skillflow Builder. Um, It had this great guided editor. that someone like me. I don't have an engineering background, and I was able to get the first pass of our story in in about a week or so. Um, And it was just very easy to plug in every scene of the game um, and then it also contains a simulator, um, so you can play it immediately. You don't have to wait for a build or anything like that. And as Manu was saying, um, I was making changes uh, and putting them in front of people within 15 minutes.
0: Stay StrangerVille is a lovely town. I hope you enjoy your time here. Just stay away from the secret lab in the crater.
5: Yeah, so we're really excited about the Sims stories and Skillflow Builder made the mystery of StrangerVille possible, so thank you.
6: So we are Jopio. Me and Chris are here with you. We're we're very excited to be in the space. Like, we felt very lonely at times working with voice, but it's always always kind of great to come out and see everybody else worrying about the same stuff. Um, So what do we do? Like, we are a game studio that makes um, voice-first games. So that means, like, we really want to. I mean, I've been making games for 20 years. Uh, the last 15 were basically mobile games. And that's kind of like been the most exciting development, I think, in the past 10 years. Uh, just the fact that games, the, the, the fact that touchscreens came out and they really made games super popular uh, because of the accessibility and the portability of the devices and stuff. And I think voice has the ability to take that up a notch. So, you know, from all the things we're doing, like this is what, when we wanted to start our own company, this, this is the one thing that we got super excited around. Uh, Yep. So we put together like our heads and trying to figure out what, you know, what kind of games we can make with this. And we came up with the Vortex. I don't know how many of you tried it. Uh, it's an interactive story game that has conversational elements, uh, and we we learn a lot. You know, like you know, as as, as, if, as with your first kid, uh, when you have it, you don't really know what you're doing, so you drop him a couple of times. you need to go to therapy later, but we're pretty happy with the way it turned out. And I think the the other good uh, data point we had is you know we got some good results and based on that we were able to raise a funding round which we uh, just announced which has you know folks of the Alexa fund but also the season fund joining uh, so we can actually go and build more stuff so to talk about how we build things
4: yeah um, so yeah we've been working uh, with the skillful of builders team for a while um, uh, like Jefferson just said uh, We started with the Vortex, we did everything uh, manually, but we're we're making games, we're looking to find the fun as quickly as possible. Um, I think our friends at EA said a similar thing, where getting builds in front of actual players as quickly as possible, as often as possible, really helps with the development process. And uh, uh, Skillful is a great tool for that, because you can really just put stuff together quickly, um, run it immediately, and get get that really critical feedback early on in the process. and it's great for you know non engineers it's also great for engineers like me um, so there's a there's a great uh, tool set that runs right inside of the Visual Studio code editor you might already be using to do coding. Um, it lets you view the whole format, click through um, you know see everything that you would need to see there um, as an engineer at that level um, It's also fully extensible with you know TypeScript, So we can do all kinds of cool uh, engineering-y things to extend the format. But the critical thing is we can just get stuff running, you know, hit simulate and boom, it's running. And we can get a player to just sit down and play it and get that feedback and iterate as quickly as possible. Now, you know, with the Vortex, uh, one of the biggest challenges we had was it's a massive story-driven game, lots of ranches, uh, over 45,000 words in the game. Um, getting all that in from our you know, awesome game writer that we were working with and getting that into the game was a huge ordeal. <laughs> so with Skillful Builder, one of the main things we're excited about is that we can put a writer who's completely not you know, using git or command line or any other crazy stuff, let, let that person write and get that stuff into an executable format super quickly. Um, and the, I mean, the, editor, uh, the visual editor is a great tool for that. Um, it lets you view the whole story graph, click through on each node, add things in, view the whole format. And you know, we found again—it's been a couple of months we've been working with folks on this. Um, it, it really just is awesome, and it's saved us a massive amount of time, I think, already in the stuff that we're doing um, already. And you know, I think we can talk about a little bit of that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So.
6: Yes. So as Chris was saying, uh, we were working on our next game. Like we've actually been using the. Earlier versions of the Skillflow builder to prototype, so you know we actually like been building a lot of things in it. Uh, but we're actually now working on production code, so we, we're getting ready to launch our new game in October. I can't talk too much about it, unfortunately. Did I just say October? I meant fall. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm not supposed to be talking about it. But uh, it may or may not have a TV show involved. Like we'll, we'll be able to confirm that later. If you guys follow us, like on our mailing list or you know whatever social medias, uh, we'll be there.
2: Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. If you are enjoying this show, if you are a fan of voice technology and the Voice Summit, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd take a moment to subscribe to the show, Inside Voice, on your favorite podcast player, and we would love it even more if you left a review of the show. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions or comments or you want to learn more or you have ideas for the show or who you'd like to see as a guest, you can email me at Keri, K-E-R-I, at motive, dot at motive.com. I would love to hear from you so we can talk more about growing this show. And if you'd like to see photos and videos from the 2019 summit, as well as other things that we've done, you can check it out at voicesummit.ai slash gallery. Thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting with you next time.